Forgotten Flicks, episode 30, Masters of the Garbage Pail Kids. Okay, all you teenage comet zombies, listen up. This is Kelly Maroney, or Samantha Belmont, one-third owner of the Greater Los Angeles Basin, and you are listening to Forgotten Flicks. Yeah. Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast, where we're wasting your time. No, I'm just kidding. My name is Joel, and I'm joined, as always, by the fluorescent Jason. Nerdy, nerdy, look who's 30. (laughs) (laughs) We're not over the hill yet, but that's right. We are celebrating our 30th episode, and we're doing it in style, ladies and gentlemen, because in today's show, we are going to give you our 80s cheese ball double feature. This is our first double feature since when, Jason? When was the last one? The last double feature we actually did was Deep Star 6 Leviathan. Yeah, it was like episode so, like four-ish, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Five, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it's been but a while. With Daryl, we did a quad showing because it was four. That was a marathon, so a baby. That was for, that was for the, the, the toughies in the audience. The men who are men and the boys who think they was men. That's who that was for. That was awesome. That was for the vegetables in the audience because those are the only yeah. ones that kept the the podcast running during wow. all that. Yeah. Good God. Man. Why? Why? So anyway, yes. Yeah, so we're going to uh, get into it. Uh, a little uh, tease for some upcoming stuff in this episode. This one right here, the one you're listening to. We are talking about Masters of the Universe and Garbage Bail Kids, the movie. Garbage Bail Kids, the movie which I have to tell you is a phenomenal work of art. Both of these films came out in 1987. I'm a year. I'm pretty confident. Most of the Eastern seaboard went brain dead after going to (laughs) one or both of these films. But that being said, we also are going to have a chance for our listeners to choose a movie that we will be forced. I mean, voluntarily watch (laughs) and we will have a spooky surprise for you a little bit later and so much much more but before we get into that jason i'd like to um let you know that i uh, apparently last week was not an anomaly ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i give you yet another voicemail from apparently (laughs) what could be taken as evidence that there are some seriously deranged women in the audience. I'm just saying. Hi, this is Valerie, and I'm calling because I just wanted to say that I love your podcast, and I try never, ever to miss it. Um, But I also just wanted to say that I just especially love Jason's on it, and he is just so incredibly attractive. The first time I ever saw him, all I could think of was, like, I just wanted him to be the father of my children. He was just so incredibly attractive. I could not take my eyes from him. And I feel kind of bad, you know, about the other guy. I do, too. I forgot his name. Um, it's just that Jason I'm glad you forgot. so incredibly hot. There are no words to describe it. Like I, I agree. Such orgasmic proportions. And every time I see his picture... 
it's like it does these things to me. It, like uh, Valerie vomit. So incredibly hot. I have to like immediately take a shower. So I have to make sure I'm, you know, at home or anything. And <laughs> I to the know street. that he's married, but <laughs> if he ever decided to leave his wife, you know, I'd want him and I'd take him. <laughs> like you have a choice. So that's not <laughs> happening. But I just wanted to say that if I cannot have that haughty Jason, I just won't have anyone at all. So that does make my life very empty. But as long as I have the Forgotten Flicks podcast and as long as Jason is on it, <laughs> it won't be totally empty. Thank you. Bye. Ma'am, I can safely tell you that if I keep getting the freak shows calling, Jason will no longer <laughs> Actually, he'll need to be. Hey, job because, security, baby. Yeah. yeah. J- Jason will need to be on this podcast because I'm going to make him listen to every godforsaken one of these. I love the, there are no words in the in the English language. Is that what she said? I can yeah. think of a few. But since we're trying to keep this PG-13. Whoever that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank God she forgot. <clears throat> wow. Seriously. Hey, listen. The JFFL is strong. Still think the idea of, of pictures of you as a chimp just made me laugh. <laughs> I'm going to have to get creative with Photoshop on that one. <clears throat> but, yep. yeah, I swear yep. to God, I did not pay anybody at any point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you, and that's what frightens me. <laughs> so on that note, Jay, why don't we go ahead and uh, give all those new to the show a little warning about our main movie talk. Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. Look at that little golf cart go. Can we call him Nat from now on? Nat! (laughs) We can do it! Okay, we'll get into that. (laughs) Don't give it away! (laughs) Oh, I don't want to give it away. Oh, please, people, believe me. Okay, so, Uh, yes. Yes, spoiler heavy, we are. Yes, oh, indeed. Yes, so our first movie, first up, is Masters of the Universe. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm going to need some backup. Can you show us the way? No. Somebody help me! From a 
distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. Jason, I have one thing yes. to say. You're a slacker, McFly. <laughs> so, Masters of the Universe came out in 1987. It starred the, how shall I say this, <laughs> multifaceted, dynamically talented Dolph, Ivan Drago, I will break you. Lundgren. Dramatic genius. Dr oh, dramatic genius. Yes. Shakespearean trained thespian. I said thespian, by the way. <laughs> Frank Langella, who at first glance we would say, really? Isn't that the dude from Frost Nixon? Yes, but yeah. but do not think that Mr. Langella was above this material. Oh, <laughs> kiddies, no, no, no. You understand? Mr. Langella... <laughs> Who started in 1979's Dracula, perhaps the only vampire movie I literally couldn't make it through. <laughs> and that's saying something. Now, in the theater or? No, it was, on, to be fair, it was on TV. But I, was, I wanted to because I'd never seen it. It was John Badham. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I, I want to see this movie. Dude. Oi. Oi. It is so <laughs> freaking dull. That was and what, he plays Dracula. He plays Dracula. That. He wasn't a bad Dracula. He just, what I could, yeah. oh my God, it's awful. But yeah, he was in some doozies. Although, did you ever see In God Created Woman with Rebecca D. Mor Mornay? Mornay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those movies that also helped jettison me into puberty. <laughs> yeah, he was also in the 1492 Chris Columbus movie, which, uh, yeah. Oh, Ooh, Body of Evidence good. with Madonna. Huh? Of course, he was in Dave. I like Dave. That's not. That's probably the last movie Ivan Reitman made that didn't cause me to hemorrhage. And <laughs> Brain Scan, which again, not a classic, but I uh, got a little love for it. Of course, he was in Junior. <laughs> oh, but God, he was in that awful uh, Cutthroat Island. Oh, and Cutthroat. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, Eddie with Whoopi. Ugh. Now, Small Soldiers. I'm not going to hate on Small Soldiers. I'm not going to hate on it. Ninth Gate, me. Mm. Mm. Eh. Yeah, so you get the idea, folks. <laughs> yes. So, but Franklin Jello. He has been in some good ones, so. Yeah, like oh. Superman Returns. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, he was in Frosting. He's actually a very good actor. Actually, I think I told you about The Box not that long ago, the uh, the story um, that Cameron Diaz was in, and I think mm -hmm. it was based on a Richard Matheson story. Fantastic little horror, you know, kind of Twilight Zone-y kind of story. Yeah. It was directed by Richard Kelly, the guy who did Donnie Darko. Really awesome movie. So, but yes, back to Masters of the Universe. It also started... Well, hold on. I got a Frank Langella. I just saw Unknown mm -hmm. with Liam Neeson. I want to see that. Is it good? Um, it's, it's pretty good. It's not, you know, it's not earth-shattering. Yeah. But it was good, and there were some interesting twists. But he plays um, a decent character, in it, and he plays actually, his acting is really good. But, you know, Liam Neeson in an action flick, it's, it's, it's pretty decent. Yeah. I'd give it... You know. I really like Taken. I was surprised. I didn't think I'd like it. And I had It to... wasn't quite as good as Taken. Yeah. Because that one I think he was more of a badass in, and this yeah. one he's kind of a you know, meh. Uh, Liam Neeson I'm talking about. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I agree. I was surprised at that one. Yeah. So but... Meg Meg Foster, the well, speaking of Leviathan, right? 
We've got to get her on here because that's now two movies that she's been in. And dude, she was in. They, she was in. They live. She was in Stepfather Two, which we of course mentioned in one of our six picks. Yeah. So yeah, uh, she was oh, in Blind Fury. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And she's then a, Leviathan. So she plays yeah, Evil Lynn. On that, I'm going to call her people and have her call yes. our people. And as we could see from the movie Masters of the Universe, Evil Lynn's breasts were under her armpits. <laughs> <laughs> Because looking at her bustier she's wearing, that's basically where they are positioned. <laughs> Billy Barty plays Gwildor. Gwildor. Courtney Cox, Sans Arquette, plays Julie Winston, looking like she's all of 14. Mm. And uh, pretty much mm, that's about it. Oh, well, of course, can't forget James Tolkien. He plays Detective Lubbock or Lubbock or whatever the heck his name is supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, and I do not want to forget. Uh, oh, yes. Barry Livingston. I was shocked when I was, he was Charlie. He's a guy in the music store. Dude, did you know he was like this child actor who was in uh, My Three Sons? He was no. er, he was Ernie in My Three Sons, the kid that uh, 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 Stephen Douglas, the Fred, Fred McMurray uh, character ends up adopting. That's yeah, him. That's yeah. him. That's him. Wow. I know. That really tripped no, me I... out. That tripped me out. So, yes. Um, and an- another little one, Billy Barty, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, mentioned, um, I mentioned he was Gwildor. Yes. Yep. Um, he plays, you know, he, he does a lot of big things. He's been, he was in Willow and a, mm-hmm. um, a bunch of other movies. Very, very, you don't see his face in this one because in the movie he's in this big rubber mask, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all this uh, effects. But his face is very recognizable, very famous. But he also, a little bit of trivia, was the voice, for those of you who have been to Walt Disney World in Orlando, and Epcot, the journey into imagination, he was the original voice of Figment, the little purple ah, dragon that's the, kind of yep. the mascot of Epcot. And he was, of course, in Willow. <laughs> Echo. Echo. <laughs> you could tell I was listening to you. So, he was in Willow, too. Did you know that? Hey, did you know he played Figment? <laughs> All right, I'll shut up now. Go on. <laughs> Pons Mar, who played... Uh, Sorod, which I believe is one that has that freaking awesome quaff to do. He's one of the little bounty hunters. Yes. Kind of the hybrid lizard, whatever he was supposed to be. And he is actually an effects guy. He uh, was uh, heavily involved in Dinosaurs. Remember that old TV show from the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Not the mama. Yeah, that one. Yes. Yeah. And he was also in The Golden Child. He tended to play. He was actually, I think, one of his first movies was uh, Return to Oz, the one that had, um, uh, it was sort of the one that introduced us to, uh, why am I brain farting on her name? Don't do this for Ruzabalk. There it is. <laughs> had to pull it. Wow. <laughs> had to pull it from down deep. Yes, Ruzabalk played Dorothy in that. And yep. he was he was in there. He was one of the wheelers, I believe they were called. So yeah, yes, but, those really weird looking things that stood on all fours with the one yep. wheel at the end, yep. and yep, they were kind of like the Striders in the Dark Crystal, but they had wheels yes. on their legs. Very good call, very good call. And the director Gary Goddard or Goddard, yeah, Goddard, yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> it's uh, Goddard. <laughs> Gary Goddard, I believe is how you pronounce it. Yep. He, it seems like he did a lot of um, how should I say this theme park. Oriented rides, which having watched this movie now, I could see it. He actually you wrote theme park, theme park oriented movies. Well, no, like the movie rides. Like for instance, he did. He I think wrote the T uh, two ride at Universal. Oh, really? Yep. Huh. Which I actually little personal trivia note worked as an intern with Sound Deluxe, who did all the audio and worked on that for like all of about a nanosecond. By worked on it, I mean I got to walk there with the guys who actually were working on it and look at everything while it was still covered in plastic, which was pretty cool. Little known fact, I was actually a stunt double for Arnold Schwarzenegger in T2. By stunt double, you mean you were his left bicep. 
<laughs> you curled yeah, into like, a fetal position. Like close up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were naked, curled in the fetal position, which is weird because yeah. you can tell, folks, because that left bicep covered in hair, covered <laughs> in hair. It's it's really weird because like his right bicep completely like shaved bald, looks like a baby's butt or my head just right there on his arm, and then the other side the bicep, big it, hairy chimp. It looks right looks like there's looks honestly, folks, it looks like a chimp with excess hair is humping his arm. It's really <laughs> weird. So David Odell. Also wrote this. Now, David, <laughs> he did give us Dark Crystal, speaking of, which he was the writer of that film. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give him that. I will not give him, however, Supergirl. Oh. Yeah. That was, um. Yeah. What was her name? Slater. Helen. Blonde girl was in that. Billie Jean. No. Yes. Uh, Helen, yes. Helen, Helen Slater. Billie Jean. Helen Slater. Yes. Helen Slater. Yeah, that's it. Helen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Sist- not so good. S- sister mm-hmm. of. Christian? No, Slater from uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> so he also worked on Nathan Hayes, which is a kind of an early days Tommy Lee Jones movie that I uh, remember seeing on HBO. And I seem to recall, I believe that's the movie where there are kind of like these parody characters. And I, all I remember from it because it traumatized me is they dump this barrel out and all these decapitated heads go spilling out on the deck of the ship. Really kind of messed me up. So, yes, Masters of the Universe, 1987. Jason, would you like to give us a pretty um, in-depth synopsis that will last approximately 1 minute 28 seconds? <laughs> yeah, so basically this is a story of a blonde guy who is escaping these Don't this the army of dark forces led by a dark lord who uh, is kind of has these minions. Oh, no, wait, that was... That was another movie. It was the Star Wars. What was this movie again? Oh no, this was the guy with the blonde mullet. <laughs> oh right, the and, mullet. And the, and the bad that. guy is, as according to the trailer, utter evil. You know, as opposed to uh, say slightly evil, marginally evil. He was utter marginally utter, utter evil. evil. Yes, this is the pseudo story of He Man, who is apparently this champion of the rebellion. Hmm. Right. Hmm. That's led the rebellion. That's. Mm. No, he was. They said so. Um, And he runs away from the Dark Lord. (laughs) I can't I can't not use Star Wars references. Basically, Skeletor is the evil overlord who's taking over Eternia. His troops are marching on Castle Greyskull, which is, is, I guess, their uh, kind of their holy castle and it there is a magical little device called mm-hmm. the key mm-hmm. the oh, the, oh, wait 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 J- jason and, jason this is important jason it, this is very important Co- I, I won't move I won't no, no. cosmic key the cosmic key yes i yes. forgot that it's cosmic yes yeah. um which apparently looks like a really weird kind of thermos with things glued on the outside <laughs> but um it plays Musical notes and uh, opens a portal to anywhere. Now, mm-hmm. Skeletor used it to get inside the castle and conquer Eternia. He-Man accidentally used it to jump to, you guessed it, 1987, I'd say, Passaic, New Jersey? <laughs> maybe? Pogip- Poughkeepsie? Yeah. Poughkeepsie, maybe. Uh, and so he pops out and uh, is trying to find a way to get home with he and his friends, Tila, Man-at-Arms. And Gwildor, and they run into Courtney Cox. Uh, Jason, Jason, more like, more like woman at arms. <laughs> and uh, they run into teenager Julie, who's decided she's moving away from town because this, this, she needs to get away and and start a real life somewhere else, and mm. uh, uh, can't stand her boyfriend anymore, who 
miraculously by the end of the movie she's in love with again. Of course. Uh, yeah, so then Skeletor follows them through the porthole and – Blah, blah, porthole. blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they fight and <laughs> he, he wins and yeah. who, who wins? He-Man wins. Oh, He-Man. You sure? Spoiler alert! <laughs> He-Man wins. <laughs> oh, you forgot, you forgot the beautiful, touching detail that <sighs> apparently Julie's parents died in a tragic plane accident. And, well, this That's is a, right. Yes, Jason, Jason. I don't know if you gathered, but um, apparently Julie is, in fact, the cause of their accident. Yes. She she's didn't a tor- go... What was that? She's a tortured soul. Yeah, she's a tortured soul. I thought you said she was a torpedo. I said, yeah, that would cause the plane accident. But no. No, Jason. <laughs> Julie chose not to go to the beach. <laughs> uh-uh. That's not why. That's not why she was at fault. No. Why? She told that she had to study. Oh, that's right. She lied to them. She but... lied because she wanted to spend the time with Kevin. <laughs> not she wanted to slut. Kevin. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. She basically runs into He-Man and <laughs> literally, he gives literally, her some actually. off-camera speech because they cut away as he starts talking and they cut back. And he's like, well, basically, that's our story. And she's <laughs> like, well, I'll help you. <laughs> yeah. There were several moments in this movie. Now, I want to start in the positive, Jason, because you know I'm a positive kind of guy. Yeah. I want to start with what I liked about Masters of the Universe. First, I actually like the makeup effects. I'm a big fan of latex, rubber monsters. Give it to me all day long, folks. Practical effects. I love them. I actually thought that, especially like the one reptilian bounty hunter, not the the Sorod was okay, the one with the huge quaffed hair. No, you're talking about the one that had like the breathing Mask. neck, the little bloated yes. neck thing. I thought he looked really cool. I mean, I liked him. I, I liked that character. I thought the Blade character looked, you know, he was kind of cheeseball. Everything in this movie was cheeseball. Let's just get that out of the way right now. This movie is campy to high heaven. It's cheeseball. However, I didn't hate it. Which shocked the crap out of me. <laughs> really? Yes. I actually, like I said, I actually thought the makeup effects, um, you know, held up really well. Mm-hmm. All things considered, obviously, there were certain moments where you're like, okay, come on now. Um, but do you know who did the visual effects in this film? Who the main guy was? No, I actually didn't look it up. And I think it was, why am I brain farting? Is it Richard Edlund? Now I'm going to... Yeah, it is Richard Edlund. Okay, I was, I was making sure. Richard Edlund actually worked uh, for Lucas. He was one of his effects guys. Ah. Yep. During Star Wars? Yep. or Star Wars, Empire. Or like... He worked on Raiders. Mm. He worked on all of them. All the, wow. the goodens. And I would say, again, 1987, considering certain elements, and again, they didn't all hold sure. up. There, there were certain shots, certain moments that when you consider that computers weren't in heavy use at that point... Even though they were mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there to be used, just not to the degree that they're used today. I really feel like it held up well. I mean, those those elements. I mean, there were some where you're like, okay, come on, it looks stupid. However, like uh, when Skeletor's little transport, especially when it goes back through the portal, I actually, I thought it looked decent. There was some shots that really held up for me. Um, I was um, surprised. I really, I, yeah. go ahead, I'll let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> Begin rant now. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Okay. I'll give you this. I liked Skeletor's yes. makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good. I mean, aside from Franklin Jello, you couldn't even tell it was him. But the fa- the way they did his makeup and sort of made him look yeah. skeleton-faced without mm-hmm. being like an animatronic yeah. skull. Yes. 
um, I thought they did a great job with, and I actually really thought that was that was kind of cool. But, and I've been holding this in. I've been holding this in for days now. I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate this movie. You know why I hate this movie? Why because hate movie? I collected He-Man. I had I an too. entire set but Jason, of He-Man. Jason, Jason, I'm, I, I'm a 35-year-old man now. I've let it go. No. <laughs> I had Castle Grayskull. So did I. I had the entire set. The only thing that this movie even comes close to matching <laughs> to actual He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is the names of the characters. And not even the names of all the characters. That's because good. what is up with Sorod and Blade and Karg? Those don't exist. Those are not He-Man characters. Where's Triclops? Where's Iron Jaw? Where? Come on. Beast Man was at least uh, Iron in it. Jaw was working the backstage. Oh my get, god. Get it? And I <laughs> there's no story that has anything to do with real He-Man. Oh, I know. I no story that, that it, it was it was if it was by itself not attached to what was a pre-existing story and a pre-existing set of toys and a, and a universe, I would say I would agree with you because if I separate that, it was cheesy, but it had some cool moments. It was like campy fun. You know? Kind of like, like yeah. how Flash Gordon, like that, just that kind of campy, over-the-top, goofball. It, it almost reminded me slightly of the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger movies. I, dude, I actually know? said that to my wife. I said the exact <laughs> words. I said, you know what this kind of reminds me of? This reminds me of a Power Rangers, yes. It totally it did. Because the, 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 you know, the giant rubber pieces on them and you know the kind of weird fighting, which yep. wasn't really yep. – you know, it didn't feel like it was – but the fact that they tried to make this a He-Man <laughs> – Ugh. Yeah, that, I hate it. <laughs> I, I, based on that argument, you have a valid point. I, however, I guess didn't care that much. <laughs> so therefore, I was hoverboards? able. Hoverboards? They have hoverboards, Dude. and what is that big? Like, Did they even thing have? I don't. Skeletor's on. That looks like out of Jedi. Can I? Can I? Oh yeah, it totally was. Uh, can Can I? Well, consider who made help to the visual effects, though. Yeah, true. I, I would also add. Did and 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 the He Man fans out there forgive me? It's been a long time since I. Well, I'm I'm like first generation He Man. Okay, mm-hmm. did they have laser blasters? I don't remember. Not that I recall. I don't remember mm-hmm. that. I remember it was very swords and I mean there was magical like blasts that would come out of like uh-huh. you know s- magic staffs and whatnot. <laughs> yep. And where's Battle Cat? Huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Where's well, Cringer? Where's his buddy Cat? Yeah. I mean, well, and I, I think that. You could make the argument that due to limitations of effects, maybe they couldn't pull that off quite effectively. Although I guess he could have gotten like a tiger. Might I point out this was what a scant ten years after Star Wars? Mm, that's true. Come on, uh, I know that it wasn't a big budget, and I know they didn't have CGI, but I'm okay with that. But the fact that they were like, you know what? This is a very popular toy franchise. I bet if we just made a movie, put the names of the people on it, made. One or two of them look like the toys. We could probably make some money off of this. Hmm. That's about as far as it went. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You, anyway, uh, Jason, are you okay? <laughs> I'm getting better, man. Okay. This was definitely the other thing I had a problem with this movie, and I didn't think about it the first time I saw it. I've seen this movie a bunch of times, mostly when I was a kid. I haven't seen this in God at least ten, fifteen years minimum. Yeah. But speaking of the Star Wars reference. There were a lot of parallels to the Star Wars movie in this. A oh, lot of oh, sort yeah. of, oh yeah, <clears throat> Play, it was I hesitate flagrant. to call them ripoffs, but they were oh, dude, pretty rip. Don't hesitate. Yeah. That's what they were. <laughs> I love the fact that the little Centaurians or whatever they're supposed to be the soldiers that work for 
Skeletor. Yeah, like the stormtroopers. They well, they're totally stormtroopers, but they look like. Remember the guy? I can't remember what they're called, but the guys in the Death Star who push the lever and it's like. Oh yeah, have the, the black jut out, and jutting the black out, draw, yeah, totally, it's them. absolutely. It's them. It's like a streamlined version of them. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, so so here, here that, what I liked, like I said, I like that. I actually. I'm a fan of like the old classic like Mac, matte paintings. In this movie, they pretty much look like matte paintings, but I think that I just, I don't know, I just love the artistry that goes into creating, you know, effective, detailed matte paintings. So I like those kinds of things. Like I said, visual effects held up okay for me. I did love the juxtaposition of, and yes, I just used that word, talking about <laughs> this movie. Of the whole, like, the Eternians, like, the, 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 all of them coming through, and He-Man, and the, all of that up against suburban 1980s America. Like, I don't know, just something about that. Sort of like the T, like I told you, everything else aside about the, the Lost World, the second Jurassic Park film, I like yeah. the fact that you've got a T-Rex in the middle of suburbia. There's something very, I don't know, Ray Bradbury, Twilight Zone, cool to me about that. I just like that. So, yeah. and of course, He-Man's awesome 80s mullet. I love that. <laughs> so here were my yeah. what the hell points. Can I just make my what the hell points real quick? Yes, go ahead. This please, movie to I'm me sure had overlap on a couple. <laughs> did, did, had elements to me of Star Wars, Superman, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers. That was the minimum I came up with, and of course, Mighty Morphin <laughs> Power Rangers. Did you catch the tie opening title sequence, dude? That was Superman, like flagrantly. Oh yeah. Lee. I mean, it wasn't even like they didn't even attempt to do it no. different. It was Superman. <laughs> Why would you just pick up a strange object you found in a crater? Wait, most of these are questions in a graveyard, in a graveyard. (laughs) Two years after Return of the Living Dead came out, I might point out, how does Kevin know how to use the cosmic key? He just starts pushing buttons and go, wow, this must be one of them newfangled Japanese synthesizers. Because somebody would throw a Japanese synthesizer out of a space station, so it plummeted to Earth down into a cemetery. I'm going to proceed to ask you a whole bunch of uh, very insightful and intriguing questions, Jason. Next, why, when Charlie and Kevin are together at the music store examining said totally radical Japanese synthesizer slash cosmic cosmic key, key, are they amazed by three cop cars and a fire engine driving by? (laughs) They act as if the world might be coming to an end. Whoa, what's going on? Charlie was. Yes. He was like, something's wrong. What is what is the statistical probability that Julie would call her house, her house, mind you, the exact moment that Kevin and Detective Lubick step inside? More to the point, why was she calling her house? Her parents are dead. How would she know Kevin was even there? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Um, can I add to that one? Yes. So what the hell is it that Kevin and this cop just walk right in her door? Oh, they yeah, don't they, knock. He doesn't have a key. She's not home. No, he doesn't just... have a key. Yeah, Kevin doesn't have a key. He's just like, yeah, I'm here. Hey, hey. Well, right in, look around. She's not here. Something's wrong. I'll tell wrong. you what. Julie's my favorite kind of girl because she ain't got no parents. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> wow, that was horrible. What? What is Again, statistical probability that the microwave would blow up and a fire extinguisher would be sitting right there on the counter beside it. A very large one, might I add, too. It was not like a small kitchen fire extinguisher. That that was a large gymnasium fire extinguisher, which there seemed to be an amazing shortage of when the gym caught on fire. Indeed. <laughs> and, well, it's because Kevin took them all back to Julie's house. <laughs> they are into some weird, kinky stuff, folks. Okay, so here's my next question, Jason. Why is Kevin cleaning the kitchen when Evil Lynn shows up? Like, did you find that just odd? That here's this teenage boy who's like in a band and he's just like, hey, kind of guy. And yet he's like wiping down counters and like he's working in a diner. In the 
house he just illegally broke into and, and blew up a microwave <laughs> in. Yeah. And the parents don't live in anymore because they're not living. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite moments, this isn't a question, but this is more of a, a statement. One of my favorite moments, He-Man and Company, which includes Man-at-Arms, Tila, mm-hmm. they come busting, and Julie, they come busting into Julie's house moments after Evil Lynn and her henchmen have left. Mm-hmm. All of them are standing, you know, within a foot of each other, back to back. They kind of enter the house, military style, covering all all areas. Yeah, SWAT, kind of SWAT team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man-at-Arms glances into the house and turns immediately back towards the doorway and goes, this must be Skeletor's work. How could he possibly know that from glancing in the house for like a nanosecond? Now, when he goes up to the kid and the kid's got the dog collar on that's from outer space, I could get him saying that. But no, he did not. He literally backed in the doorway, was looking out into the front yard, and he was looking at the hedges thinking, mm-hmm. this must be Skeletor's work because yes. who else yes. would trim hedges this uneven? Well, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and But perhaps even better than that moment was when his massively overconfident daughter, Tila, proceeds to yell while standing directly beside He-Man, it's clear over here! <laughs> really, Tila? Because He-Man couldn't have glanced to his right and seen that. Well, she has to get through He-Man's mullet. Oh, it was true. <laughs> his wavy armpit hair was covering her view. Plus, he's like, yeah, and he's like three feet taller than her. Yes. You know. yes. <laughs> and I also do love when Tila looks over at Man-at-Arms and several other people after she's like done some amazing gunslinging and looks at him and goes, <laughs> Woman-at-Arms. <laughs> very awesome feminist moment it was it was really a landmark for the movement it was great okay so oh, oh wait what kind of a moron is fooled by evil lynn that their dead mom is walking through the alley in the most oh yes. convenient time when evil lynn and her henchmen have broken into the you know the, the music store and they're coming after him and julie knows all this what kind of a moron would walk out into the alleys going mom because oh, and they're under full assault so guns are yes. blazing the yes. store is blowing up around them it They've looks, told, it looks exactly back here, like her mom this cost. yes absolutely. at all costs yes and so she she sees this woman exactly like her mom granted that and it would, it would it would upset you to see that but wouldn't you at least go hmm could this be a trap especially when she says we've been doing some secret work with your friends in there thing, we need the that, cosmic that, key yeah, we need that thing in there can you bring that to me okay mommy okay mommy let me pee my pants. <laughs> and and the, all right, let me ask one last thing too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> man, the whole thing with Dolph. The only problem I had with Dolph Lundgren in this, he talked. Not the only problem. This is one of the problems he, he I talked. had with Dolph Lundgren. He talked. I love Dolph in Rocky Four because he played a very ironclad boxer because a boxer of that size with those muscles and that height you expect to throw slow punches but them to feel like pile drivers right yep when he's wielding a sword i feel like 
I probably could have stood in front of him and just slowly dodged his swipes because he just moves so slow and lumbering. It's like a Andre the Giant kind of thing. Big sword. <laughs> I, know, and- I, I think a part of that, though, is the way the movie was shot. Because oftentimes, if you see a choreographed fight scene, for instance, it never plays as fast as it does in a movie. And a lot of that has to do with camera angles and how it's edited. And sometimes they even speed it up just a hair. So there yeah. are different factors that they could have done to make that look a little less lumbering. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was it was pretty uh, slow going there for old Ivan. Yeah. I uh, would was... also, the last couple of things here, uh, Jay. Um, Lubick is uh, beside his car when it explodes into a massive, uh, I don't know, roadside bomb like fireball. How exactly? Yes. I mean, he, we're not like he's using it for cover when it blows. How he's exactly, five feet away. Yeah, if that. If that. <laughs> how exactly does he survive that, let alone like just walk away? Looks like I'm going to need some backup. And how yeah, does He-Man fly upside down on a hoverboard? Yeah. <laughs> Why do Skeletor soldiers explode when you contact them with, like, they, they explode. Not their hoverboard, they explode. Just them. It's yeah. Just them. And finally, Jason, how exactly did Kevin remember the cosmic key tones to save the day? He's a musical savant. Ah. Who can't get his garage band to play anything but a prom but you know yes so on that note jason i would like to um, <laughs> are you are you are you done are you are you over your masters of the universe rage no i got one more okay where the hell were all the cops in this seriously this town is like what five people live uh, in it? jason jason we saw all three of them drive to the high school to deal with that nasty fire they were oh, obviously yeah. still there dealing with it throughout the duration because i expect that pretty much even in a small town when the cosmic portal opens up on the Middle of Main Street, and troops so, start walking yeah, out with a big flying skiff and a giant skeleton head guy on top. <laughs> Somebody's going to be standing around looking at it, even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. You think? So forget the cops. <laughs> How about where were the neighbors? Where was anybody? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on. Maybe Julie told all of them she had to study, too. <gasps> ah. Julie's a little, <laughs> like, kind of, you know, disconnected serial Black killer widow. type. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> So on that, Joe, Jason, would you like to go into the highlight of our show? Oh, most definitely. Okay. You ready? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Garbage Pail Kids of the Movie. Once upon a time, or was it more recently, there was a young boy named Dodger. He was the sort of child who was always left out of things. day after school, Dodger works in a junk shop owned by the mysterious Captain Nancy. Which is broth and vampire's brew. Make these clothes as good as new. Dodger has never had a family or a friend he could call his own. Until now. To help us. Meet the Garbage Pail Kids. Starring Nat Nerd, Windy Winston, Messy Tessie. Give him a chance, Tangerine. You'll like it. 
Valerie Gable, Valerie Bobbin, Lisa Gray, Foul Fool, Ice and the Totes, The Garbage Pail Kids Movie. They may not be pretty, but boy, they make great friends. Starring Anthony Newley and Mackenzie Aston. The Garbage Pail Kids Movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Have All you right. taken your Pepto-Bismol today, my friend? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to need way more than Pepto-Bismol. Okay, so The Garbage Pail Kids came out in 1987. Give you a few stats. It was rated PG. It was one hour and 40 minutes. That's all I got. Jason. <laughs> Come on, we have some famous people in it. Oh, yeah, okay. I probably should go over that. <laughs> and you got to give the director yeah. full, full credit for this. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yes, it starred Anthony Newley as Captain, the mysterious Captain Manzini. And by mysterious, we mean how this guy wasn't, oh, I don't know, on some kind of watch list or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of offender registry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to get to this. <laughs> Okay, Come well. on now, you can do it. Deep breath. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, Anthony Newley actually had a pretty extensive acting career. Uh, he was, I do believe, in a butt ton of movies, but I can't get it to come up on IMDb. Um, I would, okay, for some reason on the iPad app, folks, it doesn't tell you how many movies. I will tell you he was in a butt ton. He was also mm -hmm. in a lot of TV shows. He did like Magnum and, you know, all the all Murder, She Wrote, all those typical 80s kinds of shows. He was also on the fame TV show, Heart to Heart, Good Night, a lot of TV. Anyway, probably most notably, he was in Dr. Doolittle and he was in David Lean's um, Oliver Twist back in the 40s. Who I, I'm wondering if they did this on purpose. He played the artful Dodger. Get it? <laughs> Because uh -huh. the next one up, Mackenzie Aston, brother of Sean Aston, son of John Aston and Patty Duke. Mackenzie Aston plays Dodger, the little boy who will eventually uh, wind up speaking to police about Captain Manzini at some point. <laughs> now, the thing, one of the things I liked about this movie is it also has Phil Fondacaro in it, who is a uh, an actor that was in Willow, and he played one of the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, and he's a lot of Full Moon movies, and... Uh, a lot of things that I really love. I love this guy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you can't see him because he plays Greaser Greg, which means he's covered in makeup the entire time. Which leads me to the other thing I love about this movie is John Carl Beekler, the effects legend. And yes, I said it. Yes, I meant it. I love John Carl Beekler. <laughs> he did all the makeup effects, which I will say, if I had to find one other positive aspect of this movie, while they weren't great, because this is obviously a pretty low-budget affair, they were creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in that regard, they were effective. I mean, it wasn't like so bad that it just didn't work at all on any level. I mean, they looked like garbage bokeheads. They looked like the ones they were supposed to, to be. Uh, he, But just to give you an idea, John Carl Beekler did Troll. Um, he did uh, Ghoulies, uh, ca one of the Carnosaur movies. He did, I mean, a lot of like, there's a lot of straight to video stuff, but like Scanner Cop, uh, Red Rock, mm -hmm. Rock West, which was a John Dahl movie. It had Nick Cage in it before he you know, was in most of the garbage he's in now. 
Um, you know, he, he, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Halloween 4, Bride of Reanimator. I mean, he did a lot of great effects work, or does. He actually still works. Uh, he's directed some pictures as well. So that was another thing I liked about it. And, of course, Katie Bar- Barberi, I believe is how you pronounce it, she plays mm-hmm. ta- Tangerine, the wildly inappropriate love interest or wannabe love interest of Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and we cannot the iconoclast tangerine, the iconoclast, the amazing fashionista who is going to have her big debut fashion show at the local mall where she's got the wonderfully hand painted tangerine behind her models that looks like something out of the state fair. Actually, it looks like something that was rejected from the Tangerine County State Fair. <laughs> And of course, as Jason pointed out, we cannot forget director Rod Amateur. I don't even know if you pronounce that way, but it's more fun to say it that way. Mr. Amateur also directed the Kenny Rogers classic Six Pack, but mm-hmm. prior to that, did quite a bit of TV. And it shows because most of it was things like Dukes of Hazard. Uh, oh, many, he did like the first two years of Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, many lives ago, Dobie Gillis. I mean, he did mm-hmm. he did quite a quite a few TV shows. Um, yeah. So, Jason, you want to give us a synopsis before we go into what we loved about this movie? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 Jason. I can't even get I can't even get through the synopsis without a WTF in this because um, I'll let it come out naturally, but. Yeah, so this is the story of the Garbage Pail Kids, which we don't really know where they came from other than in the opening sequence, there seems to be a trash can with rockets on it floating through space. But somehow they mysteriously end up in the magic shop of Captain Manzini. Which we never see, by the way. It just suddenly is in the shop. We never saw it land. We never saw it get there. It doesn't crash anywhere. No, it just is in his antique shop. Not magic shop, antique shop. And he kind of has... Magic powers of some sort. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, he is, uh, he is Captain Manzini. He is the captain of something. And so he has this little antique shop. And Dodger is the little kid played by Mackenzie Aston, who is friends with Captain Manzini and I guess works in his shop as a helper. Cleans. Yeah, I bet he does. Plays with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the movie opens with Dodger, who is 14 by his own admission in this movie. Almost – or going on 15, he says, but 14 years old. He's running through the park getting chased by uh, – I would say they look what, 25? I would I would argue Juice, the lead gangster who's sporting kind of yep. Don Johnson Miami Vice look, maybe 29. Okay, yeah. Mid to late 20s at least. Uh, these bullies who chase him down, beat him up, and shake him down for his – Lunch money, shall we say, and then yeah. toss him in mud. Yeah. One of whom of these bullies appears to be, I'd say, about a five foot ten inch woman who only wears panties and stockings. Do you remember Glow, Gorgeous uh, Ladies of Wrestling? Yes, <laughs> she totally should have been in that. Yes, yeah, had like these fishnet stockings and um, like a bikini bottom. She but was, she, was, she was supposed to be this tough. Yeah, she was busting out uh, all kind over. of badass. Yeah, and she like headlocks him, and he's all like, "Yeah, no, he wasn't smiling." Um, so they beat him up, and that's kind of the start of the main crux of this movie is the bad guy, Juice, who's the, like the main gangster, has his two bad people, and his girlfriend is Tangerine. Mm. Well, Dodger has got the hots for Tangerine, even though she's like, 
I don't know, 19 because she's 20, 21 maybe because she's working the club scene on the side. Yeah, yeah. So he runs off and meets his friend, the captain, and the captain says, you need a bath. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, no, but first, uh, no. Wait, wait, what point did he give the boy a dress slash dashiki to wear? Was it after the bath? Um, Is it before? I think it was before that, the bath. Well, there's two different times that something happens. The first time he just kind of falls in the mud and he doesn't get a cleaning from the captain, uh, but he goes in there and the captain lets him, you know, tells him some stories about people and, you know, here's life, son, and he accidentally kind of starts yeah. to knock over this trash can that's in the antique yeah. shop, and the captain says, never, never open this and tells it's him Pandora's the story of box. Pandora's box. Yes. yes. He says, that's what's inside this can. Is you know all this so stuff like with Pandora? So you need to get naked so and get in the bathtub. Evil will be unleashed on the world. Yes, you need to get naked and get in the bathtub, young boy. <laughs> so, um, at one point, you know, yeah. the kid says, "Okay, I promise." Yeah. And uh, then Tangerine happens to be walking by with some of her friends, looking in the front window of this antique shop, looking at I don't know, like buttons or buckles or something. And he's like, "Hey, you can come in and look around if you want." So she comes in to look around, and lo and behold. Here comes Juice, and he sees oh, him, and you know, they chase the kid around, and finally they catch the kid, dump him into a sewer, down a manhole, which they seem to be able to lift up with their fingertips. They throw him down in there, turn on the actual sewage pipe, and flood him with sewage. Yeah, unconscious. Point, wait, wait, hold on. He's unconscious. So basically, The, the garbage pail kids who were – huh? I was going to say – He's unconscious. They knock this kid out and then leave oh, him face God. down. So they're basically going to drown him in raw sewage. That's oh, the, yes. That's the implication. <laughs> yes, it is. And this is not a – because the kid even – Dodger even says anybody that crosses juice the, – or the last guy that crossed juice ended up buried under a highway. Yeah. So this is not a high school bully here. This is a full-on neighborhood thug going to kill you. <laughs> so – yeah, in the scuffle in the antique shop, they apparently knock over the trash can, the garbage pail, and then they all run out, and that's when they decide they're going to kill and bury Dodger in sewage. Well, the garbage pail kids find their way down uh, to the yes. sewer and rescue him, and then they – you don't ever see their faces. You know, there's, oh, he's all dirty. Ew, he stinks. Oh, let's get him cleaned Man, up. Let's and get him cleaned up. <laughs> We're going to go into <laughs> that nerd. Yes. In a minute. And they bring him into the antique shop, and the, the next shot is him being – Kind of wiped down with napkins or, or handkerchiefs and bandaged, you know, first aid kit. And there are the garbage pail kids. Um, and Captain Manzini comes in. He's not too happy about it. Uh, he's pretty upset and he's got to figure out how to get them back into the can. Dodger doesn't really want to have anything to do with it. They you go really through kind of the unleashed. So <laughs> the rest of the movie, that's kind of the setup. So I could have at least accepted that. Okay. This is a story about a poor kid down on his luck, finds some friends who are odd, and uh, they kind of help him become cool or help him with what's you know the bad things in his life. This is where the movie gets really weird as if it wasn't already. For those of you who don't recall, Garbage Pail Kids was actually a series of collectible cards. Yeah. So these folks are these, – these Garbage Pail Kids are actually characters from those cards. We have Foul Phil. Who is what? Mommy. A baby poops his Yeah. And he has bad breath. Um, Valerie Vomit. <laughs> yeah. um, Wendy Winston. <laughs> Alligator. 
Ooh, I want to eat your toes. Yes. Messy Cassie. That's what she's not rocket of the group. Yes. And of course, our favorite, Nat Nerd. Did you say Greaser Greg? And Greaser Greg, yes. Hey. So they're no, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, be... wait, wait, hold on. Wait, you said Nat Nerd? Nat Nerd. <laughs> what I love is Nat Nerd. He sounds like if you're doing like the most offensive, mean spirited impression of someone who is deaf. That is what they made him sound like. And like I'm listening to him going, are they for real? And and then he pees like every time the stupid character's on screen, he pees all over himself. He's like a he's like a Dotson with like a bad kidney. He does. Every you pet the kid and each one of these because the whole point of. The whole point of the cards was that these, you know, kids were supposed to be gross and over the top. So they each had their thing. Messy Tessie had snot all over her and Valerie vomit. You know, she threw up and Foul Phil had a poopy diaper and Alligator ate like people meat and yeah, like he has a well, hold on. He has like a kid. This is the thing that was the most messed up t- to me about this movie. <laughs> and as a father, I it's like it's so funny. As a kid, I actually remember liking this. God, it just proves what taste I didn't have. <laughs> but. What kills me is, is like, this movie try. this is what makes it so offensive. It's not that they were trying to be subversive and gross, because actually, assuming it's true, on Internet Movie Database, under their trivia, they actually had that John Carl Beekler was originally going to be the director on this thing, and he had... Oh, my God. No, no, no. Dude, this sounds awesome. I want to lobby for him to actually get a chance to do this, because according to this, and I quote... John Carl Beekler was considered to direct the film, and his version of the story was going to be a straight-up horror film in which the Garbage Pail Kids would have spawned from radioactive sludge that had found its way to a garbage can filled with broken dolls, turning them into serial killers. I was like, awesome! <laughs> oh, that my would God. Have been... this, that might, might have actually rivaled Troll. It might have. <laughs> but, yeah, it didn't turn out that way whatsoever well, there's no so, horror in this other oh, than the fact that, that it was made and, oh my god oh, dude, so wait, 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 wait just, well, before you do but i just want to say what i found so unbelievably offensive was that it tries to be on one hand this kids wholesome kids movie about finding your inner beauty and you know working <laughs> together like all these these saturday morning cartoon cliches <laughs> and then on the other hand they've got a freaking alligator that opens up like a kid's lunchbox that's actually filled with like bloody pieces of like fingers and toes and eyeballs, eyeballs human <laughs> eyeballs and like he has a foot fetish and like you've got this grown man bathing this kid and like it, the whole thing is just weird <laughs> yeah i didn't get to that part so as they bring the kid in from the sewage that's when the captain who is obviously not a parental figure in this or well, related like, to him in yeah. any way says you need to get a bath and he <laughs> yes so yes he he tends to Proceeds to give him a bath in this, but also uh, the blending of storylines here goes really out out there because uh, he sets the kid up, and the kid likes tangerine, and the tangerine, she likes fashion, and her thing is she wants to be a fashion designer. So the Garbage Pail Kid said, hey, we're good at fashion. We can make outfits for you. So he gets – them to make these outfits so that Tangerine can sell them and be successful because he likes her, and she then starts to sexually manipulate him because yeah, he looks she like starts he's twelve, like, kissing on his neck and his ear oh at one God. point, it's and creepy. then another part when she's like, he's like, Are you promise you're going to be there, and she's like, cross my heart, and they zoom in on a breast shot of her 
crossing her heart, and then she touches him with. I'm like, okay, is this a kids movie or is this? You know what this is, dude? You know, you know what this is? The Mary Kay Letourneau story. That's what this movie is. Oh my god! But you know what, they, Jason? Can I just say one thing? This movie did teach us something very important. It taught us that we can do anything if we're working with each other. <laughs> I ought to play that for two minutes straight. <laughs> I love that you can hear Nat Nerd in the background. So I know oh. we've pretty much commented on this movie to death, but yeah, we, we, we add something. Yes, yes. But then I have to add one more thing, and then for the love of God, let's wrap this up before I bleed <laughs> out of my eyeballs. You know me. I am the emperor of terrible, corny B-movies. Yes. I have seen just about every oddball, weird, poorly produced... source. Yes. This takes the cake. This is now the worst movie I have ever seen. Really? Ever. Wow. And I have seen Howard the Duck twice, and I like Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. This, wow. This movie is god-awful. It is absolutely oh, yeah. terrible. Jason? On this point, we shall agree. My, my other wait, no, hold. On. So let's just because God knows we've spent way too much time trying to explain. And this we movie. can talk for another hour. I swear oh, to God, because we can it, talk for another hour. It's just fun to mock it. <laughs> if it wasn't for Phil Fondacaro and and Mackenzie Ashton, of course, was in Facts of Life, which you think he would have paid attention to what Joe and everybody else in the house were like learning about, <laughs> and not gotten to live with some creepy old yes. captain. But that being said. <laughs> Oh, and the fact that John Carl Beekler was involved with it. Other than those facts, I got nothing for this movie. But yeah. the, the, in, within the story, the whole thing is they, it turns out there's a state home for the ugly, and that's literally what it's called. And they're trying to yes. round up the kids. And what if, what kills me is the two guys that are like the dog catchers for the state home for the ugly. <laughs> yeah. Which, what a wonderful message to send to the children. I, I understand. What's, Apparently, they also have federal authority because they just pick people off the you street. You know what just hit me? You know what just hit me? This movie was the crash of its day. Yeah, and back to the kid movie part, because apparently the, the, the garbage pail, because they're trying to find all their other friends, which they rattle off the names of a bunch of the other collectible cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they come to find out they've all been killed yeah. when they were squished inside of a garbage truck. Well, my, my favorite thing is when, Do- <laughs> when the captain says to him, what if, we, you know, what if we're too late? He goes, that's okay. We can still get the bad guys. I'm like, so basically you just want bloody revenge. <laughs> and the other thing I love is the stay home for the ugly. The two guys, yeah. the two dog catchers. Dude, they were ugly. <laughs> They're like these old wrinkled up old dudes who were I like, are you kidding me? Boy, hello, pot calling the kettle. What? what? <laughs> yeah, this definitely shout to everybody who's listening to oh this. Oh, my God. You have got to watch this movie because <laughs> See, this I'm is gonna, a I'm... badge of honor if you can make it through from <sighs> beginning to end. This is like making it through torture. People, we're not joking. This song just randomly when they're working in their in their little sweat, their little cabbage patch sweat shop, they bust out with this. For real. This is not a joke. <laughs> 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 
I didn't make this song. Why should we do something nice? Let's quit now. That's That will never get out of your head. Ever. And might I add, who is singing this is the <laughs> messy Tessie with snot dripping down her face. Valerie vomits. <laughs> I can't even get it out. Yeah, this is so absurd. It's redonkulous. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you, imagine being like a seri- Can you imagine being like a serious, like, kind of higher end film critic? Like a Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert or Gene Siskel or somebody like having to actually go and sit through this thing back in the day, <laughs> like unaware, oh, like God. we knew going in this was going to be bad, obviously. Ugh. But can you imagine? <sighs> no. <laughs> so on that note, no. on that wonderful note, Jason, do you have anything <sighs> else you'd like to contribute to the Garbage Pail Kids conversation? Or are we pretty much wrapped up on that? <laughs> abomination i just like to say to all those folks out there who thought that by saving these cards you'd be paying for your college education (laughs) suckers i had i had like 300 of those things man my mom threw them out yeah i had everybody thinks they're ronnie they're gonna be worth a million bucks and adam bomb those are some good ones those and beanie babies how you like that (laughs) how you like them apples Okay. Well, on that note, Jason, let's go ahead and wrap our our, our show up by uh, letting everybody know that we are going to, starting in October, Jason, the first week of October, and there are five Wednesdays in October, Jason. Oh, yes. It is a long October this year, my friend. Yes. One of my favorite months. And this is the first ever, first ever, I can't even start by saying it right, the first (laughs) ever Forgotten Flicks October Spooky Flicks Fest. Say that five times fast. Good luck. It is going to be five weeks straight of awesome 80s horror. Okay? Oh, yes. Be there, be square, folks. We're going to do some good ones. But our first film, the film that will launch us into the Forgotten Flicks October Spooky Flicks Fest. (laughs) The keystone to our entire... I wouldn't go that far. But but certainly the one that will start the whole thing in motion... You, or at least the first one on the list. Yeah, there is that. (laughs) Yes, you, the listener, will in fact get to choose. We will, we will go with the one you, the collective majority, picks. I'm going to starting this Friday, which will be the 26th of August. I am going to post on the website. You will see it. It'll be right there in the sidebar. There will be the October Spooky Flicks Fest poll, and there will be five movies to choose from. You will get to Mm -hmm. pick which movie you would like to hear us chatter on about for our first film in this series. Jason, isn't that just awesome? I think it's awesome. Oh, we've got some good ones on that list, too, by yes, the way. I think so, so too. Yes, and we'll, as we get closer, we, we, we'll, announce, we'll announce ones as we go through. And then, Jason, And can we also point out that the following four weeks after that, yes. we will be covering some fairly big titles. Yeah. So if you don't see your name or your favorite movie on that list, we're covering some pretty big ones coming after that, too. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. We, got, we got some good ones. We got some good ones. Yeah. Jason, would you like to uh, make a little announcement about uh, a special appearance you'll be doing at the uh, local mall twin? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm going to be on, as I mentioned before, uh, tuning into Sci-Fi TV, uh, a podcast by uh, my friend Kevin Bashelter. He's going to be um, – Is it that Bashelter one or is it, Saturday, is it Saturday B movie or is it – Yeah, it's the Saturday okay. B movie reel. Yeah. He does um, – he focuses specifically on Sci-Fi channel B movies, you know, my – Mega Python versus Gatoroid and Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. We are Scrotosaurus going to be covering the ultimate 
creature feature classic Mega Piranha, uh, and that'll be coming out at the end of August. And you can find them on tuningintosci-fi-tv.com or, or tuning into Sci-Fi TV on iTunes as well. So check them out. Definitely, my episode on Mega Piranha is going to be probably the end of the end of August. The I think the last week of August. So. I thought you were going to say it'd be the end of their show. <laughs> you, know, <but> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you haven't brought this one it's down the yet, downfall. my friend. Yeah. Your fan club so. might. So, and then of course, one final thing. Next week we will be doing 1985's Trancer, starring the great, and I do mean great, Tim Thomerson and Helen Hunt in an early role. And it is a classic yep. sci-fi film from. Empire Pictures, which of course went on to become Full Moon, Charles Band and Company. And we will have a guest with us, Daryl from the Nothing's On podcast, the guy who joined us for the Superman podcast. Will, in fact, join us because he's a huge Transfers fan. We had talked about it during the mm-hmm. Superman episode that when we eventually did a Transfers, Transfers episode, I don't even remember if we did that on air. We may have done that off air, but we talked to him about doing it. He was jacked up about mm-hmm. doing it we're doing it so he'll be on with us it's gonna be a lot of fun we're doing that next week and jason would you like to throw out the old voicemail number absolutely um be, be sure to give us a call especially if you're a member of the jffl we love hearing from you ladies give oh. us a call anytime 206-203-0491 all long distance rate supply i may have to actually add a beep in post-production <laughs> you'll get especially all you beep please call <laughs> Call me ladies. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> stop on by uh, the ForgottenFlicks.com website where we have the podcast and all sorts of other fun goodies for you to check out. Be also sure, I'm going to do this on the front end, to check out our Facebook page. It is now, as I stand here on August 16th, two episodes behind. So I'll be updating that either tonight <laughs> or tomorrow with the current episodes. And so, but the Forgotten Flicks page on Facebook, I totally need to take it more serious. I apologize. But please check it out and join it. Because you just, you love us and you want to support us. You can also check us out on Twitter. I am Forgotten Flicks. And Jason is Flicks Sidekick. And that, of course, is Flicks with an X for both of those. Just like the big company that you can get movies from. Unless you're in a large percentage of the countries in the world, and then you can't. <laughs> and also, Jason, do not forget, Jason, Jason, our iTunes page. Go there, oh. subscribe, leave reviews. It's all good, brother. It's all good. We've got a couple great mm. reviews on there. We really appreciate you people doing that. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, I can't really think of anything else, Jason. Uh, you got any uh, final words for the peeps before we go out of there? Uh, no. Uh, this is... <laughs> quite the experience my friend this has been one of the (laughs) few times i've watched movies for this podcast and left laughing not being able to wait to talk about the movies yes and obviously we didn't do our six picks this week because we wanted to get through these two we figured that would be arduous enough and we will be doing those starting up again next week so on that note jason i would just like to say yeah i think i beat myself (laughs) 